Joseph, the first question I have, does anyone call you Joe or is it Joseph to everyone? Um, I prefer Joseph, but I'm not going to ignore you if you call me Joe. <laughs> well, Joseph, thank you for your time. Aside from that question, days going fine so far? Yo, fantastic. I, I, Darren, I'm so excited for this show to come out and the energy is so palpable. There's adverts all over Manhattan, yeah. all over Brooklyn. Um, I, I'm just, I'm so excited that Los Angeles, I was just in LA for a day uh, with my brother, Albin, and uh, we saw this, a 50 foot poster of me, uh, 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 you know, the, for the advertising power book for uh, on the 405 highway on Sunset Boulevard. Man, we're taking over the country, Darren. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited that the fans are chomping at the bit. Yeah, that is a really good point there. Power has always been advertised much stronger than other shows on networks along the lines of stars. That's a really cool feeling, I bet, seeing yourself on big billboards like that. Or is it first shocking and then pleasurable? You know, I think the biggest pleasure is the, the fans uh, being satiated and, and enjoying themselves and being entertained and also being able to learn part of themselves from watching characters and situations. And my job as an actor truly is, you know, and I think it, it sounds a little already farty maybe is, but it's, it's truly is to be a vessel to transcend so people can see themselves in the character. Well, in terms of the transcendence, when you first appeared on a power series, did you have any idea that it was years and years or did you just go pilot and let's wait and see? Well, you know, my responsibility as the actor is not to think more than the immediate. It's my responsibility is to make the character as interesting as possible and to service the writing as best as I can. So that's all I attempted to do. And that's really all I attempt to continue to do. Uh, but now that my brother Alvin and I have started our own production company, Black Fox Productions, we think into the future and how the story may evolve. But at, when I am Tommy Egan, when I am working for my great and, uh, uh, incredible boss, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, who's truly a visionary. Mm -hmm. My job is to still continue to make the best decisions I can as Tommy Egan with the material that uh, is in front of me. So are you the kind of performer that wants the whole script or just what you're doing for that day? Well, uh, I always want the whole script because like I always say when it, it's funny sometimes in television when they're like, we just want to give you this. We just want to give you that. Whereas I'm just like, you know, because I come from the theater and I'm like, well, I've read the whole play. Mm -hmm. I know what happens mm -hmm. and I know how to not play the end before the beginning. You know what I mean? So, um, of course, yeah, I always uh, prefer to have the whole story in front of me. And then the last thing I'll ask you, you just mentioned production company. Is the first thing announced yet or do we just have to wait for the deadline.com embargo to be lifted and then we find out all the magic? Well, I'll tell you what, you, you, it has already been announced that uh, Black Fox is up and running. But um, to see what we have right now in development, those announcements are coming out soon. OK, Joseph, thank you for your time. Uh, if there's a PowerBook 5, I hope to see you in there, and the 6 and the 7. But congratulations on all the continued success. And Thanks so much, Darren. And everything that Black Fox gives us. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Chris, Isaac, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you both. But the first question I have is, Isaac, am I allowed to call you Big Ike? Because it says on IMDb that friends call you Big Ike. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? That is a great question. And yes, man, please feel, feel. Uh, yes, call me Big Ike, man. Let's go. <laughs> Chris, do you call him Big Ike? I'll be back. <laughs> I will not.
<laughs> well, an interesting thing is that Isaac slash Big Ike comes from the NFL. Chris, you were on Ballers. Hey, you have that football connection there. Had you known each other a couple of years ago, maybe the Ballers character would have been a little bit different. But did you actually know one another before being cast in the show? I'll throw that to Chris first. Yeah, we we did. We we weren't as close as we were now, but we have friends that are friends of each other. So we knew each other and I would see him out. I would see him out in LA at a different events and we'd always say, what's up? And it's crazy. I remember sending uh, the creator of our show. There was a picture that me and Isaac had taken with one of our other friends about three or four years prior with no knowledge of PowerBook 4 Force wasn't even a thing that was thought about yet. And we took a picture together and then we find out that we're playing brothers. And I always revert back to that picture like, man, what if we knew then, if we knew now? There you go. Uh, Big Ike slash Isaac. Yeah. How, much of, how much of Diamond is there in you? Oh, man. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at that, man, I think, yes. <laughs> I internalized Diamond. And Diamond internalized me. I think there's a lot. I think it's because it's kind of like in a way where, you know, where I, I feel like I've been told I have a strong presence when I come in a room. And, you know, stature, yes, that may speak for some part of it. But... I think it's also in just the place of that I am at a place where, you know, I like to try to I meditate. I try to do things. I try to, you know, do things, self, self-help self books. I read those. And it's like I'm always trying to grow as a person and be in touch with who I am as emotionally intelligent as I possibly can be. And I think a lot of those things favor. But it's also a, another side. It's like it's a side. It's like, you know, the football side is a side that it's also a competitive side. But it's also kind of a dark side to Diamond as well, too, that he can tap into, that he tries to suppress. So he doesn't pull that out because when he does pull it out, it's a lot of hell that breaks loose. And yeah. I think even with me and in, in, in this world, it's like I can't walk around angry because it just takes too much energy. But there's sides of me. I just learned how to control it. So it's just more of things I have in the toolbox. That's all. Well said. Chris, same question at you for Jannard. Is there Jannard in you? Yes, there's definitely some Jannard in me. I don't I don't think uh I don't think I'm as wild as Jannard. And I also don't think that. I don't have a brother. So Jannard gives me that, the brother that I've always longed for, you know? So he gives me that, but there's so much of Chris and Jannard. I think the way that they're able to be more than just one thing, not too far on one side of the spectrum, to be multifaceted, you know what I'm saying? To be, to have those street smarts, but to also be able to write it down into a you know, into book smarts and to articulate himself in such a way that he can go to the boardroom and have a meeting and then still meet you on the corner with the biggest drug lord in the block and not miss a beat doing either. And, and I think there's pieces of me that are able to do that as well. I know my mom always told me, be able to have a conversation with the president and a conversation with the guy on the street. Yes. You got to be able to do both. Right. And you both clearly can do that. So thank you for your time and looking forward to everything to come from both of you. Indeed. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, guys. All right, Big Darren. Take care, brother. <laughs> All right, Big D. Gabrielle, Shane, thank you both so much for your time. Questions for both of you. But first, Gabrielle, how much of you is there in Gloria? Oh, good question. I mean, Gloria is definitely a lot cooler than I am. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Gloria can really handle herself. Nothing phases her. You know, I think you see really early on that she doesn't take anything from anybody. Um, you know, never underestimate the girl behind the bar. And, you know, the, the, the similarities with Gloria and myself are, you know, I think everybody 
roots for a survivor and you know Gloria has experienced a lot of loss in her life and you know she has this tempestuous relationship with Vic which I'm sure you know people can relate to and I can I can definitely relate to that sure. um yeah th- th- there, are, there are some similarities in there same question at you Shane Vic Flynn by the way one of the coolest character names there is because when you can do two syllables and people know who you are that's awesome is there yeah. a lot of Vic Flynn in you or a lot of you and Vic Flynn um yeah i think there's always like these very baser human you know elements that you can kind of thread you know to because i mean fix world is very different than my own like everything they do everything he's about like um but i I, think drugs and everything yeah yeah no yeah i i it's like i i feel like um potentially the element of kind of you know, he's, he's a romantic, I think at heart. I I really do even, I mean, he's like this ruthless drug dealer and the whole thing, you know, but he does, there is an element of that kind of, you know, what if we just ran away together, you know, like, and we could just be in love and like, we could live this great life. Um, And, um, and he believes in love. And I, and I think he's almost a little reckless, like he's willing to risk certain things, like he'll just kind of go for it. He doesn't like, maybe, you know, he's not, he's not, not calculated, but he's also just like, and that to me, I feel like I can kind of, I can kind of, uh, you know, I can, I can definitely relate to that. I feel amongst a lot of other things, but that more particularly, yeah. I like that you said not, not a good double negative. Is not, not, yeah, exactly. He's not, not that, yeah. Uh, Gabrielle, I, I've read that you studied the Strasbourg method. Did that apply to this role at all, or clean slate? You know, you know what it is with Gloria. I, I just understood Gloria from the first second I read the page. So it was, it was so exciting and, you know, I wouldn't even say challenging. It was just exciting to delve into that character and just to get to work on it. Um, you know, I do, I do love the method and I, I had a fantastic coach, you know, Toby Sanderman, um, who, who helped me through the character, but yeah, it was just a wonderful experience, you know, b- becoming Gloria and I hope that it shows on screen. And uh, Shane, as we wind down here, my last question at you, man of many talents, martial arts, and hey, I'm not saying Gabrielle, I'm not saying you're not of many talents, just limited time here. Uh, Shane, music, uh, do you have anything coming up on the musical front or is it all power book all the time? Yeah, it's all power right now. Yeah, I, I, I um, you know, I haven't really, yeah, I haven't focused on music in a little while. I mean, that was kind of something, it's like my, I was like, a, my former moonlighting as like a teen pop star is kind of what I like say as a joke sometimes, because I, you know, I like toured and like was on a label when I was like 17. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I still make music and I, I kind of put stuff out from time to time, but I'm like, I'm an independent artist. So like, you know, I don't really know when I'll, when I'll do more stuff, but I love making music still. Um, but yeah, I like to keep it all. I like to keep all the plates spinning if I can at all times. Well said. Thank you both for your time and looking forward to everything that's to come. Thanks thank so much. Lucian, Anthony, thank you both for doing this. I'm going to first throw it to Anthony and say, how much of you is there in JP Gibbs or vice versa? Uh, honestly, a lot. You know, there, there's a lot of myself uh, in this character, maybe more than any other character that I've ever portrayed on stage or on film, um, which is kind of, e- makes it a little bit easier, but also more difficult at the same time. But uh, there's a lot of similarities for sure, a lot of parallels. Makes sense to me, Lucian, same thing, Darnell McDowell. Is there a lot of Darnell in you, vice versa? I think there is a lot of Darnell in me because we both come from similar environments, you know what I mean? So a lot of people like, a. 
he's a we have a lot of similarities i'll say that his his character his intellect his um up his upbringing is a little different from mine but i think that there's a lot of similarities in between us well following up on that when i go through your credits a lot of chicago procedural shows are you from that area or is it just a coincidence you became chicago procedural guy i'm from the south suburbs of chicago so i'm local i'm a local hire um so i ended up on a lot of different chicago shows which is a blessing to be honest as there am i as am i born and bred in chicago currently live in chicago well, Anthony, let me ask you about that. When did you start to notice that you could work full time as an actor, as a Chicago person? Because, hey, 15, 20 years ago, you still had to be in New York or L.A. to really have a career, it looked like. I never felt that. You know, I come from theater in Chicago and there's so many opportunities to do theater here. I've been doing theater professionally since I was 19. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it, it's always an opportunity to you know work on your craft. And I always felt like I was doing that. I always, you know, was going from gig to gig and, and working and honing my skills. And when more and more as years have passed, more and more shows, movies and TV shows have come to Chicago and to be able to audition for them and, and land them has been, has been amazing. Uh, Lucian, same question at you. And also, did you know Anthony before this gig or hey, nice to meet you, another great Chicago guy. I didn't know Anthony before the gig, but we met we met on set and he was a great actor. He's great at what he does. You know what I mean? So it's exciting to be a part of a show where everybody's such a great actor, man. And I and I don't and I don't just say that because I'm on the show. I genuinely mean these guys are great at what they do. Professionals, for sure. And when did you start to notice that that, hey, I can be a Chicago guy and earn a living as an actor, as a Chicago guy? Well, when I started booking roles back in 2015 for shows, they I think that because I'm young, I'm 21, finna turn 22. So the Chicago market opened as I was coming into my maturity. You know, mm -hmm. as a teenager, the Chicago market was open and we had shows like The Shy, Chicago PD. Um, those shows were up and coming when I as I was coming into my adulthood. So, yeah. So the whole, era, the whole era where Chicago actors weren't getting a lot of um, attention, I think that's changing with my generation, for sure. Glad to hear that. Glad to see the greatness of both of you on the screen. Looking forward to everything that's next, and thank you for your time. Thank, thank you, Dan. Outrocast. Lily, Tommy, thank you both for your time. First, we'll throw it to Lily. How much of you is there in Claudia Flynn or vice versa? Great question. I think... I think there's, I think the ambitiousness is there, the fire in her belly, the yearning for power and constantly fighting against men to get what she wants. <laughs> I mean, what woman doesn't have a little bit of that in her life? I, I think I learned a lot from Claudia. I think I learned to trust my, my power and to trust that I can carry that, which is, really cool you don't always get that with the character i love her i love her so much she's a it's great it's great to hear how much power has been said and used given the show that you're on <laughs> power 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 uh tommy same question goes at you with walter who hilariously in imdb is currently listed as water so i think water ah! is a great name Flynn is better walks on water he has fucking liquid this month he uh 
How much of Walter is in me? No acting required. I just show up and just do me. Not at all. Um, he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. And uh, I get to kind of delve into memories of past, of people I knew growing up uh, and through my life, different generations. And I've got him kind of wandering around inside my head when I play this guy. And I enjoy it. Glad to hear that. Now, Lily, Tommy, both of you were part of the show Banshee. Is that just a coincidence that this is your I second wasn't show? Banshee. Who are you talking oh, about? Oh, Joseph Lily and I. Part. Joseph and I. Oh, Joseph, sorry. Yeah. Is, so for Water Flynn, the actor playing Water Flynn, Water there Flynn. is an erroneous credit for Banshee as well. So IMDb is not very good to you, Tommy. Ah, uh, well, you know. I mean, see. I would have loved it if Tommy was on banshee that would have been really exciting he would have been a great addition yeah <laughs> but joseph was on the show and he was wonderful i just didn't get to work with him so it was really great to come on to this show and we we laughed because we were actually both on true detective season one as well didn't get to work with each other so we said third time brilliant brilliant Finally. Yes, it was a it was a good show. Uh, so yeah. Well, the key is you both have been on wonderful shows before this. You're on another wonderful show right now, and I'm looking forward to everything right. that's to come from both of you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you, brother. Hey, Ian, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you perfectly well. Yes, I'm far away with the first question. There's not a moment to lose here. It's another busy day. Yes, the world wants to talk to Ian Anderson per usual. So cutting straight into it, congratulations on the Zealot Gene. When was the album actually finished? And by that, I mean, some people, the album isn't finished until it's mastered. And other people, they don't care about the mastering as part of the overall process. So what say you? Well, the, the album's finished musically and in the audio sense when the final masters are approved and and, and also in the case of the 5.1 surround mixes, because I'm not equipped to do that, I'm, I, I had to sh um, uh, push that job on to a friend, Jacko Jaksic, who is a guitar player and singer in King Crimson. Mm -hmm. But he was able to squeeze uh, that work in um, just before he went off to do some major touring. And so uh, it was... And of course, then there's all the artwork, all, you know, the photography, the preparation of all the files and folders, checking the PDFs. And so that was all delivered to the record company, the masters and the and then all the artwork around um, uh, June of last year. And everything was agreed. And then we had to wait for another several months in order to get the get the album pressed from a vinyl standpoint, because the delay time on pressing vinyl these days has gone up to, in some cases, over a year. Right. And um, uh, already, in fact, I'm, I've already got a, a slot booked for pressing the next record in time for a end of March release in 2023. So, you know, we really wow. are thinking more than a year ahead in order to ensure a release of all formats simultaneously, which record companies understandably want to do. Is that next album a Tull album or an Ian Anderson album? Uh, no, it's a Jethro Tull album. I've just, I think I've uh, been at it now for two weeks since the 1st of January. And um, I have uh, all of the 
all of the words, all of the lyric material. I've done the first draft of all of that. I'm sure I'm going to change a, an adjective or a, you know, there'll be some tiny fine tuning, but, you know, the first draft is done and then I have 10 out of 12 main themes as well as some of the additional music parts and I should continue to refine those when I'm not doing the, the tawdry job of marketing and promotion and stuff that I really feel embarrassed about having to do, but it's part of the job. And, um, you know, hopefully every day I get to spend a little more time to, to keep um, developing that with a view to somewhere in February, probably around the end of February, I would be hoping to do some demos to present to the band, just as I did with the Zealot Gene. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll send them all the words, all the, uh, the stuff, the chord sheets, the you know, background, the basis of the album, what it's about. So they've got a feeling of what lies behind it, not just the music. They've got to prepare prior to some rehearsals and then moving on to recordings. So I guess we'll probably do it in two halves. I would think probably I'll, you know, we'll do some, a few days of rehearsal, a few days of recording, and then try and do the rest of it uh, somewhere around July, August, because um, those are so far the quieter months. Um, everything keeps getting moved and we're getting right. jam-packed with um, rescheduled concerts all the way through the year. It's not looking uh, not looking that great again. We're back where we were in February of 2021 and February of 2020. We seem, seem to be um, you know, echoing the same degree of uncertainty and the need, according to local infection rates and local government restrictions and lockdowns and so on and so forth. We seem to be back where we were last year and the year before. Hurry up and wait, I, I think is the term that they like to use with waiting to see. But hey, credit to you on this album. I hear a song like Shoshana Sleeping and I go, that is classic Tull. Is that a particular song that stood out for you when you were writing it? No, not at all. No, I, in fact, the, um, the songs that, um, that were put out as sort of teasers for the album, you know, with some video were not my choices at all. The record company, I, mean, I, I did make my suggestions, but they, they felt strongly they didn't want to go <clears throat> with um, the heavy hitters initially. They just wanted to have, you know, some sort of teasers, things that would just be maybe get a little interest, but... Um, they just um, put out a couple of days ago the Zealot Gene, the title track, um, which was one of the ones I had suggested we should do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the, um, the videos that were done for these things were, again, nothing to do with me, really. I, I, I approved the storyboards and I approved the final edits of the videos, but... Um, you know, they, they were visions of the song quite different to my visions. If I'd been involved directly in, in uh, coming up with a video scenario and storyboarding, then it, it would have been quite different, I imagine, to, to what they did. But, you know, the thing is, if you're working with people whose expertise and experience is about marketing and promotion, as indeed is the case with Sony Records, then um, you should listen to what they have to say, they're, they're, you know, they they're supposed to know what they're doing. And I'm quite happy to 
hear their suggestions. And unless I have some really strong reason not to want to go with them, then I'll say, okay, fine, let's do let's do what you what you think is right. That's an interesting thing about your career that you were a major label artist then I think that you were one of the first classic artists to do the DIY thing with your own label and the indie world. And then you came back to the majors. Well, uh, yes and no. I, I think that, you know, there were, there were a couple of solo albums that were released by, you know, what you might call boutique labels, but, um, you know, even Fuel 2000, who did a couple of solo albums and the Jethro Tile Christmas album, you know, they, they were working alongside, I can't remember, was it Universal or Sony who were doing their marketing and distribution. And in the days of uh, Chrysalis, we were, they, first of all, it was um, Island Records were the parent, well, not the parent company in a sense of owning Chrysalis, but they, they were the Distributor, company yeah. early Chrysalis dealt with in terms of the uh, the physicality of getting the product out there and the, you know, as I say, marketing and promotion, uh, sorry, marketing and distribution. Yeah. And um, that being the case, uh, it continued that way with a, a Warner division called Reprise in the USA and then BMG in Europe. And then Crystal's got to the the size and state where it was acting almost like a major record company in terms of the the length of its um, ability to 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 take on the the larger role. But then EMI ended up getting half of Chrysalis, and then finally all of Chrysalis. So EMI at that time were one of what was then five major record companies. Right. And then EMI was split up between Universal and and Sony, sorry, Universal and Warner Music, and the half of EMI that went to Warner was including the Jethro Tull catalogue. So we're kind of back with Warner in the sense of um, all of that music, and I've released a couple of things via BMG as well, who have all been my publishers um, directly or indirectly for many, many years. So the the continuity really is there with... um, with those companies, and uh, I suppose Sony have a much bigger part to play in in this album than um, than uh, than was the case um, in any other time. But mm-hmm. I think Universal is the only company that I've really had nothing whatsoever to do with, not only because it's never been a, a, a practical part of the mix. And um, the BMG in recent. Um, years have expanded considerably so they're kind of verging on being a fourth major record company oh but that, for perhaps, sure yeah. perhaps perhaps you would describe it that way because the the um the size and the income of the, the other three traditionally major record companies it's probably whittled down a bit in the digital age because so much of the income is um, is from streaming and not even downloading anymore. People people don't download music very much; they they just stream. But the physical product, of course, is um, always important. It's never gone away, and it is the most tangible, profitable side of the business for everybody. Which is why all of those companies take their catalog assets very seriously now 20 years ago they couldn't be bothered right now re 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 remixing re re boxing and presenting these things uh, you know with a, a value added kind of aspect to them that that's what record companies do now thank goodness because it's the 
the music listeners, the fans who benefit from that, they, they, they get far more bang for their buck uh, now that record companies who have the rights to the recorded copyright, you know, they realize, you know, use it or lose it. Yeah, and so sure. most certainly they use it now, which is good. Outro.